Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again. 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. Thought I would start off today's podcast with uh, with the absolutely indomitable Nirvana. Pause the music. If you have a problem with me playing Nirvana, hey, I want you to do do us all a favor. Hey, just leave. If you don't like Nirvana, I don't know how to help you as a person. I really don't. Jesus Christ. It's not that anyone's complaining about Nirvana. It's just, it's, I don't get it whenever people, I don't, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. I feel very strongly about my love for Nirvana. I have a problem when people talk, talk badly about Nirvana in any way, shape or form. Unpause my music, please. And thank you. Anyways, a lot of stuff to get into. Long podcast. I'm ready. I'm waiting. I've been waiting for the last two days. By the way, pause it again. Hate to do this to Kurt Cobain. Um, we will talk about a lot of the things that happened over the last couple of days. I'm exhausted from watching football. We were supposed to have a podcast yesterday. I decided against it because I didn't really have any thoughts besides congratulations to Georgia. Uh, beating Alabama in the national championship game. Alabama will be back. Nick Saban had a great... We'll play it after Nirvana. Let me just... I'll find it during the um, during the outro of the intro. But Nick Saban had a great quote. Thought I would share it. If I can find it, I'll find it. If I can't, it's fine. But... There's some interesting stuff. There's some interesting coverage coming out of Detroit. Once again, goofy Detroit saying, you know, talking, overreacting. Guys that don't know anything about evaluating players. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the implications that the Georgia players had, um, especially N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, because they had great games, uh, as well as Bryce Young and Will Anderson. We'll talk about all that. We'll probably spend a little bit more time than I originally actually planned for Georgia and Alabama. And then we'll get into the head coaching fireries and then uh, firings, excuse me, not fireries. I'm positive music, Jesus Christ. We'll get into the head coaching fires, firings, however you say it, and the implications that it has for their respective teams. And then we'll get into playoff scenarios and playoff games as well. Can't wait, ladies and gentlemen, to get into it right here. 24 is pocket. up a little bit come on we have time
that's not the end of the song. That's just one of the uh, the final verses of the song. Great song, Lithium. If you don't recognize or know the legacy of that specific performance, that performance was actually, I mean, first and foremost, it was a performance. It's not the actual, like, official audio for Lithium. That was a live performance that Nirvana had had. It's easily one of their most notorious, most infamous performances ever. Um, live at the Reading Festival in Reading, England, or UK. It's like Beyonce's Homecoming. It's like their magnum opus when it comes to performances. I would highly recommend, if you're a Nirvana fan, to listen to the Reading uh, Festival Nirvana set. It's, it's fantastic. Let me try and find this <clears throat> clip here of Nick Saban talking about his players here. Mm, here we go. And then we'll get into some of the uh, the other stuff as well. Let me just pull it up just a little bit. Oh, no. Okay, that's the part where his players leave. Okay. Here we go. Okay, here we go. So, this is at the end of the night. Will Anderson, star, star player for Alabama. Bryce Young, star player for Alabama as well. Quarterback Bryce Young, pass rusher Will Anderson. Essentially getting interviewed at the, uh, the end of the night. They don't have to do this. They want to because they want to fulfill media obligations. There's no need for them to. And, um... Essentially, before they're about to get up and leave, and Nick Saban is going to address the media for the final time this year, or technically this season, he'll address them in, I mean, as soon and as early as, like, March or whatever. But Will Anderson, Bryce Young, addressing the media for the final time. They get up. Nick Saban says, wait a moment, and here is the clip. Obviously not the result we want, but... Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love everyone in the locker room, and um, I'm just, you know, just, just happy to be a part of the team. Bryce and Will, thanks for your time. We'll let you head back to your locker room. I'd like to say something. Can I say something? Absolutely. You know, these two guys that are sitting up here, they're not defined by one game. These guys played great for us all year. They're great competitors. They were great leaders on this team, uh, and they, that they contributed tremendously to the success of this team and we would not be here without them all right and both of them take responsibility for the loss um but both of them contributed in a lot of ways in a positive way to giving us a chance to win and a chance to be here to have an opportunity to win so i just want to thank them for that and let everybody know how proud i am of these two guys thank you coach and then they get up and then they leave okay never have heard that from nick saban he, he does appreciate his players. He's not one of these coaches that's just like, I'm not going to think. He does. I've never heard Nick Saban do that after a loss. It's not that he's not appreciative of his players. I've just never paused a press conference to then address his players' performance in a loss. I've never done that. Positively, by the way, in a loss. Because it's a lot of the times, it's negatively. It's negatively. He just says, well, we didn't do this and we didn't do that and... Da 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 da. 
Alabama's going to be back next year. Okay. Georgia, Nicobe Dean, Jordan Davis, they're gone. The stars of the show. There's going to be some other guys like Bowers, uh, the tight end number 19, who didn't really have like a great game, but he was productive enough. Some of their pass rushers, 95, 88, who, you know, did a, a pretty solid job, but Will Anderson's going to be better. Bryce Young is going to be back, and Alabama, roll tight. It's going to be back. By the way, I got a burp. Excuse me. Just saw that Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington will be March 5th, UFC 272. Colby uh, Covington, one of the more controversial figures in the UFC, uh, one of the biggest losers in my opinion. And then Jorge Masvidal, one of the, one of the better fighters really in the last couple of years has kind of taken some losses here and there but he's still one of the better fighters set for March 5th but I'm watching the Alabama game Alabama versus Auburn the basketball game Alabama is down two against Auburn Alabama ranked 24th nationally Auburn ranked fourth huge upset potentially coming up at 77 with one minute 19 seconds left as Georgia airballs it and two players absolutely collide for Auburn did I say Georgia I meant to say Auburn great basketball game going on Alabama's holding in strong they're like you know what we're not prone to losing and we're not and we lost against Georgia we're not about to lose to Auburn better believe it yeah, Alabama's already seeming to uh, to get back to doing what they do best, and that's when a lot of uh, football games, and maybe not in this case football games, basketball games, and it'll be champions. Going forward. Okay. Let's talk about some of the stars of the show. Let's address Alabama, okay? What happened last night? Well, um, something that probably should have happened in the first game, Alabama's offensive line got destroyed, Okay. I kind of knew early on that it was going to be trouble because already, not already, but their right tackle, Alabama's right tackle, is not very good. And their coaching of the offensive line has not been very good. I, I've i seen a lot of Alabama this year, probably six, seven games uh, this year. I do watch a lot of Alabama for the primary purpose of understanding their players both, um, both, both presently and then future-wise or presently and then laterly I, I don't know what the future tense word of present is <clears throat> it's my phone getting a text I'll answer it later but to understand essentially some of the players that I have to watch out for in the draft this year and the next year that's the whole concept of me watching Alabama watching out for Will Anderson Bryce Young they're going to be top players in next year's draft okay Alabama's offensive line all year has been terrible been god awful okay it's been horrendous and especially and specifically at right tackle apparently Alabama has a center playing right tackle which is not a good thing at all and Georgia got a lot of push with Alabama's offensive line and some people are going to say well it affects Evan Neal's draft stock at 24 he's not a very good left tackle listen bro all of the plays that Georgia made on Alabama did not come from the left tackle position. It came from every other position. Alabama's offensive line did not play very well last night. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, the wide receivers were banged up and were dropping passes. Okay. 
Jamison Williams, I believe the um, the star stud, the star wide receiver, had fifteen hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns, awesome wideout for the Crimson Tide. He got hurt pretty early on. Hopefully he's okay. He's trying to enter into the draft this year. He may not be ready to play um, next year, depending on the injury. I haven't seen anything of the injury, but he's one of the he's one of the more important wideouts. Uh, going into next year's draft, or this year's draft, technically. But he got hurt. John Mechie, the other stud, he was hurt in the SEC, SEC championship game. Both of them didn't play. You had very, very young wide receivers trying to catch passes, dropped a lot of passes, didn't have the proper experience and the rapport with Bryce Young. And then Bryce Young did everything he possibly could to try and win the game. His first two-interception game, I believe, of his entire career. Bryce had a great year. Won the Heisman. Almost won the Natty. Played in the Natty. Won the SEC. He had a great year this year. It's just, you know, it was just a hard game. It was, I'm trying to remember. It was like the A&M loss where Alabama lost, but you knew that they were going to be fine. Or at least I knew they were going to be fine. And everybody was like, ha ha, Alabama lost! It's just like, They'll be fine. But that game was, that game for Bryce was hard. It was hard for Bryce. He felt very uncomfortable. He tried to make as, you know, the most of the situation. But, you know, they still lost. And and Will Anderson is kind of the reverse. Will Anderson had a great game. I think he had half a sack, or not half a sack, but like one and a half sacks to two sacks. Really, probably could have had three or four. Stetson Bennett did not run around like he did because he was being pursued by Will Anderson all night long, all night, yeah, all night long. All right, I'm done. But Will Anderson contributed in stopping the run. Mathis, one of their better defensive tackles, 48 Alabama. Uh, he got hurt, and it was essentially all on Will Anderson. But, I mean, overall, the score was misleading. I think Bryce Young had two pick sixes. I think he only had one, actually. But he had a pick six. They had multiple turnovers for Alabama. And, you know, Georgia, they definitely capitalized on that. But the Alabama defense played pretty well, all things considered. Their corners, they need, they need another corner. But... Or more corners, not a corner. They don't have a corner. They need corners. But Will Anderson was great at stopping the run. He was uh, great at rushing the passer. Uh, Everything was on him. Everything was on him last night. But the fact that he was able and capable of being so effective and so disruptive as a pass rusher in the SEC and the national championship game against the best competition, and he's just been a destructive monster for the last, like, three months he's he's going to be a rare player in next year's draft he's going to be a rare player that people are going to going to be seeking not seeking but like sought after he's going to be a very sought after player is what i'm trying to say by the way um looks like alabama is going to lose this game tonight as well 81 77 auburn barely squeaked by in this game looks like alabama's not going to win tonight that sucks Anyways, um, Will Anderson, great player. Evan Neal, great player. I mean, he's just been a stud. And uh, Bryce Young, great player. They're going to come back from this. They're going to win. They're going to freaking, they're going to be better. 
they probably, probably, they'll probably be uh, back in the natty once again. We'll see. Anyways, um, let's talk about Georgia. Enough about that Alabama Crimson Tide, even though I am a big Alabama homer. Let's talk about Georgia and their ability to win last night, which was awesome for Georgia. They haven't won a national championship in like 50 years, almost 40 years since like 1980 something. I think it's 1981. They actually had the coach of the last championship there watching the game for Georgia. So that was a pretty awesome experience for all the Georgia fans and for Georgia as well. Yeah, the two stars of the game for Georgia, if we're going to do the same for for Georgia as we did for Alabama, talking about two players specifically, two players that I was really, really high on. I think I talked about it on Wednesday on the uh, the draft podcast, or not the draft podcast, but on the, the episode about the draft and certain prospects that I loved going into this draft. Two of them were N'Kobe Dean and and uh, Jordan Davis. I talked about how Jordan Davis has simply put the best one technique. We'll talk about that in Detroit media talking terribly, or not terribly, but having a terrible conversation about the draft and what not to look out for in the draft and things of that nature. But um, Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis were just excellent last night. Uh, Jordan Davis had an immediate impact with, I think, getting a tackle for a loss immediately um, in the game. Some people are going to be, he's a three technique. He's a pass rushing defensive. He's not a pass rushing defensive tackle. Jordan Davis is a one technique that people think is a three technique. If you don't know the difference, a one technique, a nose tackle is a fat guy uh, that plays defensive line that essentially just takes up space. Okay. He just stands there and tries to prevent these huge holes from being opened by the offensive line, these huge gaps, okay? His job is supposed to try and, you know, get in the way of the two offensive guards, more specifically the offensive guard in the center from moving him and creating these very large holes and these openings for running backs to run through. That's what the one technique is supposed to do. The three technique is a pass rushing, gap penetrating. I am going up the field. I am trying to get a tackle for a loss. I am trying to tackle the running back in the backfield, right? Jordan Davis had a couple of plays where he did uh, get in the backfield and affect the play, but that's not what he does for the most part. What he does for the most part is he'll just freaking be a fat guy and he'll two gap, which essentially means he will try to control two gaps and try to prevent the running back or more specifically the offensive line from moving him off of his spot. That's what he does well. He had some plays that a three technique would normally have, but for the most part, he's a one technique. People are going to uh, overestimate his ability because of that game, because that was the first game that people saw of him probably all year, because people don't watch football. Just going to be honest with you. But that doesn't discount what he does as a one technique. It's very Vita Vea-esque, right? At how dominant he is, okay? His ability to two-gap, his ability to to um, to occasionally, occasionally penetrate, but more, more, just more specifically, he's just a big human being who just doesn't get moved a lot. And that's what you want from your one technique. That's what you want from your nose tackle. That's what you want from the big boy, from Jordan Davis. He does not get moved a lot. He's like 360 pounds. He is a very, very large human being. 
It's like, try and move 360 pounds by yourself. And then that 360-pound man will move you. Great player. Great job by Jordan Davis last night. We'll talk more about him in relationship to Detroit because Detroit media has already gone stark mad on him. Because, again, that was the only game that they saw. But also, let's talk about Nicobe Dean, who I was super high on, especially after the Ohio State game against Utah, the bowl game, the Rose Bowl game. I saw that game, and I had this kind of conversation, maybe not conversation, but I was thinking about this uh, with myself. I Like, thinking about this is the exact same thing. Regardless. I was thinking about Jordan Davis, not Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean versus Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah. Nicobe Dean, obviously, the linebacker out of Georgia, right? And I was thinking about those two players around mid-December, and I was like, who's better than who? Right, Because I saw a little bit of Devin Lloyd, and I wanted to see a full game of him. And the full game that I saw, he may have been hurt on. And I'm excited to see him again in the Senior Bowl as well. In the Rose Bowl, Devin Lloyd ran like he was hurt. He was not as fast. He was not as athletic as I thought he was. He was very, very um, unathletic. He looks like he was hurt is a better way of describing uh, what I'm trying to say here. He looked like he was hurt. He was running almost with like a limp. It was bad. Hold on. Let me get my phone. I think it's buzzing. Hold on. Give me like two seconds. I keep hearing it and I'm just like, who is texting me? Okay. All right. I'm just like making sure, making sure. Uh, okay, all right. I'm like I just got text messages or whatever. Okay, sorry about that. Anyways, um, back to Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd, right? Saw both of them play. Devin Lloyd looked like he was injured. We talked about this a little bit over a month ago, if you don't remember it or if you weren't here. Looked like Devin Lloyd looked like he was hurt, and Kobe Dean looked like a gazelle freaking running out in open field. Or more specifically, because a gazelle is a prey, more like a predator. He was like a lion running around murdering gazelles in the African Serengeti. And I saw that in the uh, the game against Michigan, the semifinal game. I don't know what the heck the bowl was. I don't really care. It's the semifinal. But then you saw it in the national championship game. Super instinctual player. Really, really athletic linebacker. I am super interested to see him test at the combine because I don't know what he's going to run. He's probably going to run 4-5-4-4. That guy runs stupidly fast. And if you didn't get a chance to watch the national championship game, very, very like undersized linebacker when it comes to his height. Like he was Bryce Young's height. But also he was standing next to Jordan Davis, who's like 6'7", 6'8", 360. So... Maybe my uh, my ratios are different because of how monstrously large Jordan Davis is. Hold on, let me look up Nicobe Dean here. He's pr- he's probably six. He cannot be taller than six one. He cannot be. Oh yeah, he's six feet tall. He's uh, yeah. I'm like he's six feet tall. He's two hundred and twenty five pounds, which is fine. He looks short comparatively to Jordan Davis, but I knew he wasn't like short short. But on the field, he's six. He's six feet. 
I, he's six feet tall. When I was watching the game last night, I was like, I could see N'Kobe Dean flexing as like a safety, as like a deep, deep, deep safety, as well as like a strong safety, but more specifically as like a strong safety. He can play like a lot of different positions in the NFL because he's already playing multiple positions uh, as a linebacker, you know, in college. He's playing, you know, this on-ball linebacker, this off-ball linebacker position. He's rushing the passer in both in both um, uh, positions, on-ball and off-ball. He can play safety. He's played corner semi. He lined up outside against a running back and was fine. He's very weird. He's a very weird player because when you watch him, you're just like, huh, he kind of can do everything. He kind of can. I'm very excited to see where he's going to go. His draft stock probably just skyrocketed, by the way. Like, he went from being a player that people were like, oh, I don't know if he's if he's going to be... T-. Like, I've, I've seen people like... A couple of weeks ago, mock him to like the second round. Nicobe Dean's easily a first round draft pick. He's probably a top 10 uh, player here. Probably. Probably. I don't think people are going to make the same mistake about Nicobe Dean that they made about Micah Parsons here. Let me kind of check. I'm on pro football. What is this? Pro football networks mock draft simulate. Uh, excuse me, simulator. I'm kind of just checking out their valuations. Oh, they have N'Kobe Dean at 23rd overall. That's not correct. But, I mean, they have Devin Lloyd over him. That's not correct either. Maybe it's not adjusted yet. What about the mock draft network? Or technically, it's just a draft network. What about you guys? How do you guys see N'Kobe Dean here? Where do you guys see him now? Because, I I mean, not I feel. Freaking, I know they're wrong. The draft network, or not the draft network, but Pro Football. Uh, what is what's it called? Pro Football Talk, Pro Football Network. My bad. But the draft network. Where do you guys have Nicobe, Nicobe Dean here? Where are you guys? Twenty eighth overall. That's weird. That's weird. Regardless, Nicobe Dean, really, really awesome football player. Really, really. I would say rare linebacker. He's semi like Micah Parsons in the sense of Micah Parsons has done and played a lot of different positions for the Dallas Cowboys. You know what? I shouldn't even compare him to Micah Parsons. He's he's like Isaiah Simmons. He's like another Isaiah Simmons, the former Clemson linebacker that played like safety and linebacker. I don't know what position he played. I think he may have been a safety and then he'd in the NFL as a linebacker. Because he can just do everything. And that's kind of the same thing for Micah Parsons and N'Kobe Dean. Both of these players are just very, very versatile at what they can do as defensive players. In fact, I think uh, Micah Parsons said that I'm the most versatile player in the NFL. And that's kind of the comparison that I would have with N'Kobe Dean as well. Where he's just incredibly versatile and... I want to get another look at Devin Lloyd, but yeah, Devin Lloyd could definitely be a versatile player as well. Long story short, Georgia's got some really, really awesome players coming out in the draft, Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean this year. Next year, they'll have some really, really awesome players as well, as well as Alabama with Will Anderson and Bryce Young. Okay, well, let's kind of like listen to some instant reactions here, right? So a lot of people... They don't watch as much football as they 
as they say they do, as they endorse. And they don't evaluate players the way that I do and the way that the majority of other people evaluate players. So what you have is this perfunctuous mess of a draft cycle where people will just say a bunch of random stuff or say stuff that's really not highly educated or whatever. And you'll see things like I'm about to play you. I'm watching, by the way, I got to talk about this. The Toronto Raptor, the mascot, freaking went stark crazy against the Phoenix Suns because in Toronto there weren't any fans. So he had to be the freaking, he had to be all the fans. He was screaming, he was yelling. They had this gigantic blow up of him that just walked around the freaking courtside because there were no fans. It's the most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I think they threw him out of the game because of just how much of a distraction he was. I cannot believe some of the stuff I'm watching on television right now. It's the most ridiculous stuff ever. I'm watching ESPN, and yeah, uh, Jamison Williams, the Alabama wide receiver, he did tear, tear his ACL, which is what I thought. A lot of players tearing their ACLs. I think John Mechie tore his ACL, and um, who else was it? Jamison Williams as well, and Michael Gallup just tore his ACL two weeks ago for the Cowboys. Back to back to football, back to the NFL and draft and stuff like that. So you'll have people who haven't really watched as many players as they claim they have talking about the draft and things of that nature and um, stumbled upon this video today. I'm going to play you some clips of it, of some guys talking about the the national championship game. And again, it's just guys that haven't watched Georgia or Alabama all year long consistently talking about Georgia and Alabama as it. They have watched Georgia and Alabama consistently, which they have not. Here we go. Here is the start of it. And essentially, you'll hear um, somebody say that they want Jordan Davis. I want Jordan Davis. There's nothing wrong with wanting Jordan Davis. But you have to recognize, folks, there is such a thing as draft priority, right? In chess, you don't say to yourself, you know what? I sacrificed my queen for a pawn and say, oh, that was a good trade. You don't say, oh, I sacrificed my queen for nothing and say to yourself, oh, that was a good trade. You always want equal value out of your trade. There's certain pieces on the chess board that matter more than other pieces. There are pieces that have priority over other pieces. Draft priority, ladies and gentlemen. There's pieces, there's teams, there's players, there's positions that matter more. But let's listen in. And let's see how uh, how they evaluate a nose tackle, which is a very, very low position on the draft priority. It's one of the lowest positions. It's one of the most undervalued positions in the NFL. Let's see how they evaluate this position. Like yeah. um, franchise changer. In this Jordan Davis situation to me, I tweeted last night. I'm watching Jordan Davis, and I'm isolating as best as I can watching Jordan Davis. How Kuyper and McShay have him going 24? To me, I'm ready to pick him at two. He's the closest thing to uh, Indomitian Sue as I have seen. Nicobe Dean. Pause, 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 pause. Already wrong. Because again, we've talked about it, folks. Jordan Davis is not a, if you don't know who Indomitian Sue is, Indomitian Sue, former Detroit Lion, former three technique. He is not a three technique. He is a one technique. He's a fat guy who holds gaps. Fat guy holds gaps. One technique, fat guy hold gaps. Okay. 
Three technique, I'm pass rushing. I'm trying to attack the quarterback. I'm gap penetrating. Folks, Jordan Davis consistently jogged his happy butt off the football field on third down because it's not a run stuffing down. It's not a run stopping down. He's not a pass rusher. He is a run stuffer. That's fine. He's one of the best at it. He's going to be one of the best nose tackles in the NFL. But he's not a pass rusher. He's not in Dominican Sue. Continue forward. Be both of those guys. See how that goes. Go go up or trade back, get N'Kobe Dean at seven, get Jordan Davis at 26, and go ahead and grab your wide receiver with 34. That is absolutely not a bad strategy at all because both those guys are player. Why? I don't know if he's if he's ranked that low because uh, because of his weight. He may not run a good 40, but he can play in that box and up and down. A fat man not running a good 40. I'm surprised. And from sideline to sideline. So Jordan is an absolutely monster run stopper. And N'Kobe Dean, I would love to see him in a Lions uniform. Braylon, my hot take, by the way, I was so excited to talk about that. You forgot to say it. I forgot to say what the hot take Jordan was. Jordan Davis too. Okay. So a little bit forward. A little bit more on the draft, or not the draft, but I'm so singularly focused on the draft. I'm literally referring to every single word as the draft. A little bit singularly forward in the video. They're going to talk about best player available versus need. Now, I want to focus in on Jordan Davis um, as a player, okay? Draft priority is super important. You cannot take a one technique at number two. That's such a Detroit Lion thing to do. I so Detroit Lion. That's such a Detroit Lion thing to do. Oh, yeah, let's just take a one technique 24 because we saw one game of Jordan Davis against Alabama. Just like this. This isn't this is how you guys freaking, you know, select TJ Hawkinson and Jeff Akuda, you know, in the first freaking round and Panay Sewell, who's not better than Rashawn Slater. And then freaking, you know, you guys are complaining. Oh, oh my God, I didn't get Dawson Fields. I didn't get Dawson Fields. We're, and then you guys clap it up for getting Jeff Akuda, and then you guys clap it up for TJ Hawkinson. I don't get it. It's like you guys do realize he's a one technique, and this isn't 1949, you know? Like, when they said that, that they were ecstatic to take Jordan Davis at two overall, I was like, oh, that's such a Detroit Lion thing to do and to say. Let's listen to this. Best player available versus need. If you don't know the um, the analogy, essentially what best player available means is that when you're a team in the draft and you're drafting players and you're selecting players, the philosophy that you should have is to take the best player available because the best player available will add on an additional good player to your football team so that way you can potentially win a football game. And this is obviously the draft strategy that they've had uh, with Detroit because they all that's all they did last year. They took Panay Sewell, who is probably the highest ranked player on their draft board, over Justin Fields. They took, I don't know who they took in the second round, I forgot. But they but they took a Fatu Melifon in the third round, which I was just like, oh, that's a great pick. He was like almost a second round corner who fell to the third round. I was just like, great pick. It's one of their better corners on the team, by the way. Versus like taking a need, right? You get all these great players when you select the best player available versus like, oh, let's take a need. Let's draft a corner that we haven't scouted that well at all. Let's take a tight end 
instead of potentially going out and getting, oh, I don't know, Justin Herbert. Tristan Wirfs. Makai Becton. You know? They did this they did, you know, BPA last year. Bless best player available. Sorry for stuttering. They did that last year. Had a great draft. Last couple of drafts have been miserably, horrifyingly, god awfully terrible. And these guys, they want to talk to me. They want to talk to me. They want to come to the Don Juan. They want to try and tell me that they got a draft. A one technique at number two. Because they need a one technique. You can go out and get something that you need in free agency. But let's listen to the clip. Kansas City Chiefs. So a lot of a lot of general managers and, and folks who are spend time in coaches as well, they they have a system on how they like to pick players. And a lot of people go, best player available. Mm. No, your best need available, yeah. particularly for the Lions. What is your best need? And if that player is available, because p- the best player available, if it's offensive player, you don't need to be taking them Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. You just don't. You need to be careful about that, you know, because they I don't see a can't miss Hall of Fame first ballot offensive player in the first 10 picks in this draft. Apparently, he hasn't been watching football that long. Apparently, he hasn't been watching Alabama. Apparently, he hasn't been watching Big Ol' Evan Neal down there, the big left tackle for Alabama. Apparently, apparently, I've been the only guy watching him all season. Go ahead, not draft Evan Neal. He'll probably go number one overall or in the top five. But he doesn't see a top 10 player who could, first and foremost, I'm not worried about Hall of Fame. That's hard to project. That's impossible to project. I'm not worried about a Hall of Fame player right now. I just want one of the best players in the draft. Don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. Don't really care right now. Can only tell you he's one of the best players in this year's draft. Okay? Evan Neal, one of the best players in this year's draft. One of the safest. He is so incredibly uninteresting. If you have no idea who he is, you have no idea what position he plays. He's an offensive lineman. He's one of the most uninteresting positions on the field. That does not make it unimportant just because something isn't uninterest isn't interesting excuse me doesn't make it important he is important he's the left tackle he plays one of the most important positions on the football field people don't know about him because he never gets freaking beaten ever against georgia the entire right and middle of the offensive line is struggling the only dude that's not is evan neal big old evan neal just chilling saying hey guy i got this left side The whole reason why Alabama now has issues at right tackle is because last year when they went on that illustrious one, when Alex Leatherwood was the left tackle, who do you think was the right? Big ol' Evan Neal. I don't see a player in the top 10 who can be offensive. I don't see an offensive player who can be drafted in the top 10 who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like you don't watch Evan Neal. Don't watch Evan Neal. Take your best need available. That's what free agency is for. It's such a Detroit Lion thing to do. Oh, yeah, we're just not going to follow our board. Yeah, let's take Kyle Hamilton. Oh, he's a safety 24. He's one of the best players in the draft. What position does he play? What position does he play? 
Detroit Lion fans are salivating at the opportunity to get a safety. And I'm like, who's the safety? Who's the free safety for the Dallas Cowboys? Who's the free safety for the 49ers? Who's the free safety for the Kansas City Chiefs? Tyron Matthews, 24. Wrong. It's Juan Thornhill's Tyron Matthew plays strong safety. Kyle Hamilton plays strong, not strong. He plays free safety. You don't need a free safety in the NFL to have success. You just need a guy not to get beaten on the outside. That's why you got to get a nice top-tier cornerback. You want to get a safety in the top 10? You want to get a defensive tackle in the top 10? I wish I might. I might. It is such a Detroit thing to do to be, you know, to stare in the face of one of the best, you know, of not one of the best, but of, of like the best defensive tackle in the draft and be like, he's a top two player in the draft. I'm like, what? What? Are you insane? Yes, 24, we are. We want a defensive tackle. It's like, okay, I can't help you. Bye-bye. I'm clicking off. Re-di-you-lus. Re-dick-you-lus. Ridiculous. Anyways. Let's talk about firings. Let's talk about head coaching fires. Fires, firings, firings. Let's talk about it. It's very important. So, a lot of head coaches uh, were essentially taken out back on Black Monday and shot in the face. Oops, sorry. It's playing a little bit of audio. Taken in the back, shot in the face, no mercy, no grievance, just murder. Let's talk about some of these head coaches, right? So, the head coaches that got fired, I'll breeze through. Let me turn on light. Hold on. Head coaches that got fired. I took a lot of notes. I had a lot of thoughts. Also, let me stand my candy ass up. Let me also unplug my computer. Doing a whole lot of stuff. Making a whole lot of adjustments here. Ringo, Ringo, Rita, 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 Rita. 45's the mic. Making a lot of changes at the line of scrimmage. Anyways, um, a lot of coaches got fired, right? We'll breeze through the coaches that got fired, and then we'll talk about the implications that the firings have on the respective teams. But first, I want to hit on this. Because I was going to go through, and I was going to have this very, very structured, like, this is what the team had last time. This is what the team, uh, head coaching-wise, needs this. And they need... I'll help you out. We'll summarize this. If your owner continuously gets in the way of your football team's decisions, you will not have success in this league and you should probably not watch your football team play football. It's just that simple. 
It's why I stopped being a Bears fan. I couldn't take all the losing. I don't like losing. I don't like being a fan of a football team that loses. Okay? You better have a history of winning, and I can bear the loss, or you better freaking be winning. Some people are going to say, bandwagon fan, bandwagon fan. I like to win. I like to be competitive. I don't like to root for a team blindly. I don't like to ride with my team because, quote unquote, that's what you're supposed to do. I like to win. That's why I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Because they had one of the greatest sports dynasties of all time in the 1990s. Some of the most illustrious uh, players in the history of the sport. Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, Roger Staubach, Deion Sanders, on and on and on and on and on. And it's also why I'm a fan of the Patriots. Greatest sports dynasty of all time. 20 years, still going by the way, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Randy Moss, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman, future Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame, wake up, on and on and on, right? But the key factor of those two organizations is that the owners, they got out of the way. Robert Kraft, day one, said, I'm not a football guy. I make jelly. The best a man can get. I make Gillette razors. Our stadium. Gillette Stadium. We're razors. We make razors. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a football guy. Jerry Jones, he's like, I'm not a football guy. My head coach is. Then he's like, you know what? My head coach, I can get anyone to to work with me and they'll and they'll be able to do what they need to do and blah 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 and I'll interfere with my football team and I'll have Jason Garrett on my payroll after I fire Jimmy Johnson and Jason Garrett will be a longer tenured head coach than Jimmy Johnson. Look at what happened with Jerry Jones's meddling. Almost three decades, no NFC championship game appearances, let alone Super Bowl appearances. But then he's like, let me get out of the way. Let me stop meddling. Let me get out of the way. Will McClay, you're, you've done a great job draft. We'll let you have full control over the draft and free agency. You'll work with Mike McCarthy. I'll get out of Mike McCarthy's way. Mike, you can hire whoever you want. You can get Greg. You can get Bones Fossil. You can get anybody who you want. Hire any coach on your guy, on your, on your you know, put anybody on your payroll. Get anybody who you want. And that's what Mike McCarthy did. Some people gave Mike McCarthy flack because he had Terrence Steele on his football team. Terrence Steele, one of the better backup left, not left tackles, just one of the better tackles in the NFL. Said, hey, let's go out. We could go out and get Rashawn Slater, one of the best left tackles in the NFL. We'll go out and get one of the best defensive players in the NFL, Michael Parsons. We can go out and get Trevon Diggs in the second round. Let's hold fast. In the first round, let's believe Trevon will be there because we got CeeDee Lamb sitting here and pretty for us to take, and they took him, robbed the NFL, robbed them blind in the draft. Mm, mm, mm. Got out of his way. Now his team, first time three years, is in the playoffs once again. First time, really, in the last 20 years that a head coach has come in and in their second year is a playoff contender. One of the better Dallas Cowboys teams in the last 30 years. 
built it in two years. Jerry Jones got out of his own way. Going all the way back and circling all the way back to what I was originally talking about. Your owner. If you are a owner, excuse me, if you are a fan of a team with a meddling owner, be ready for pain and suffering. You've been warned. Let's get into the fun, okay? So these are the coaches that got fired, or more specifically, these are the teams that fired their head coaches. The Chicago Bears, the Denver Broncos, the Minnesota Vikings, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and in a shock twist, Miami. Now, yesterday, I was prepared to talk about those five teams. But then a sixth team got added today. Joe Judge got fired a couple of hours ago, as a matter of fact. So that means that the Giants are now the sixth team that needs a head coach. Technically the seventh team with Rich Basachi with the Raiders as the interim head coach, but Rich Basachi, excuse me, Basachi may get the head coaching job if he probably not probably if he beats Kansas City on Saturday or Sunday. Can't remember what day he's going to play them. But Rich Basachi going to potentially be the head coach of the Raiders. He's still the head coach. I think he's the only head coach or interim head coach in NFL history to actually beat, not beat, but go to the playoffs. I think he would be one of the only head coaches, interim head coaches in the history of the sport to actually beat a team while being an interim head coach. Just saying, look out for him to potentially be the uh, the permanent head coach of the um, of the Las Vegas Raiders. Right. But what's one of the things that you notice about a lot of these teams, right? Again, former Bears fan. Bears fired Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Fired Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. You had one of the McCaskies, one of the dopes, come in trying to sell you a bill of goods that doesn't work. Try to talk to you and tell you what? Try to tell you last year around this time, hey guys, we're not out for blood. There's no blood that's going to be spilled. We're going to kill, not kill, keep Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Nobody's going to get fired. Wasted another year and look at what happened. No playoffs, worse record than they've actually ever had in the history, not of the history, but in the last couple of years, not in the history of the, the team. Bears fired their head coach. Miami. They just fired Brian Flores after a 4-2 and season against, 4-2 and record against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But pause on that. Hold on on that. Because I don't think that's important. I really, a lot of people are just going to say he's 4-2 and against Bill Belichick. I don't care. The thing that's important about Brian Flores is that Brian Flores has consistently gotten his team to almost the playoffs. First couple of years. Last year he was like 10-6. and This year he was 9-8. and I'm fine with that. I've had problems with Brian Flores and Steven Ross, the owner, trying to pursue Deshaun Watson and not going all in on Tua and then pretending, oh, wait, I'm not all in on Tua. Or then pretending I'm in on I'm in I'm all in on Tua, but then also behind the scenes, they're not. But Miami also has a meddling owner. The Giants as well. 
right? John Mara. I'm going to hire a Patriot assistant coach. I think I had the podcast back then. When I heard about it, I was just like, I don't like it. A lot of people were like, I love it. I said, I don't like it. I don't get it, you know? Joe Judge, wide receiver, wide receiving coach in one of the worst years for wide receivers for the New England Patriots. Tom Brady's final year, he was the special teams coordinator. And I warned people. I said, it's Bill Belichick guys, man. You cannot hire these guys as head coaches. You can't. For some weird reason, they forget everything that they learned in New England. And they just say the most ridiculous stuff. And I was going to make a case. And I wish that I'd made a podcast yesterday. But also at the exact same time, the information would have been outdated. I was going to make a case yesterday for firing Joe Judge. And if you don't know, I have this I have this rule where I'm just like, you know, I don't like having a head coach fired in two years. I don't feel like it's enough to really know who he is and understand who, I don't like that. But then I met Urban Meyer this year and I was just like, oh no, he, he, he deserves to be fired. He's the exception. And I think Joe Judge is as well. Because I said to myself, they're gonna bring back Daniel Jones. They're gonna bring back Joe Judge, they're going to have essentially the same offensive line, same wide receivers, maybe a different running game if they move off of Saquon and go get somebody else, and probably a similar defense, and they're probably going to be a non-playoff team, maybe the third or the fourth seed for the third and the fourth, or third or fourth year in a row. They're going to be the third or the fourth seed for the third or fourth year in a row once again. Nowhere close to the playoffs. So I was just like, why not just fire him now? You know, I can see the writing on the wall. Where's the improvement? He's gotten worse. He's drafted players uh, that he shouldn't have drafted. They chickened out of the first round last year instead of getting Micah Parsons or Rashawn Slater. Where's the improvement? It's like if the writing is on the wall, it's on the wall. Fire him out of a cannon. And that's what they did. They fired his ass out of a freaking cannon. Out of a freaking cannon, excuse me. Didn't mind it at all. I'm even, I'm not like, like I'm not, I'm not mad about it at all. I'm like, but go get you somebody who's an actual head coach candidate. Who's not from the Patriots. Don't do this BS once again, New York. Or do it. I don't care. I'm not a Giants fan. I'm a Cowboys fan. I love the, uh, the chaos that's ensuing right now in New York. But let's talk about the jobs and the job positions, right? Let's talk about which one. Which one should a a head coaching candidate seek? Which job? But first, let's talk about the head coaching candidates, right? Okay, so you got a long list of head coaching candidates. And you'll probably have teams request an interview. Request an interview. Request an interview. That essentially just means, hey, we we just want to interview this guy. Is that okay? That's what a request for an interview means. You'll hear a lot of requests for interviews by a lot of different teams because a lot of different teams have already done that. They've already requested a lot of interviews for a lot of these head coaching candidates. The Broncos have been essentially the most active. They have just freaking gone down the Rolodex and just started to make a lot of phone calls. Meanwhile, certain teams, a.k.a. the Bears, have been pretty um have essentially sat on their freaking hands and have essentially done uh minimal this offseason it's just like it's almost as if you guys 
don't fucking recognize that the combine is about a month. It's in about a month. Regardless, the um, the requests for interviews are going to take place, and there's going to be a lot of coaches. And it's just like, listen, man, the Bears, the Broncos, the Giants, the Jags, Miami, the Vikings should all be looking for the exact same thing. A young head coach, preferably one who is offensive-minded. And more specifically, no, I'll flip that. They should look for a offensive-minded head coach, preferably one that's young. If you're the Jags, if you're the Giants, you should be looking for Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is the guy, okay? Both teams have young quarterbacks. Both teams are probably, regardless of what happens within the next couple of years, are still probably going to have a young quarterback on their roster, and the rebuild will be long, it will be arduous, and it will not be pleasant, okay? It will be pretty brutal. The coach is going to have to, you know, freaking learn some stuff about the city and about winning, and the team will as well. It's just that simple. So do you want to go out and get somebody that um, that is old and that really wants to win now and wants to be a part of a winning program now? Or do you want to get somebody who actually can stay there long-term and be there long-term for you to help you guys win a, uh, a lot of football games and be there long-term? That's why I said Jags, Giants, Bears. Yeah, get a young head coach. Maybe not Bears, but Jags, Giants. Every other team, the Vikings, the Miami Dolphins, the Broncos – Get a real offensive coordinator who has the potential to be a head coach. Specifically, Brian Leftwich and Eric Bieniemy. Okay? Okay? Reason for that is, those two guys, Brian Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy. the reason why is, uh, cannot believe I'm saying this for like almost the third year in a row, especially with Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, apparently that just carries no weight anymore being a part of one of the best offenses in the NFL. Apparently that's just, it just doesn't fucking matter anymore. Guess it just doesn't matter. But that's who, uh, that's who Eric Bieniemy is. He's a part of one of the best offenses in the NFL and he can't freaking get a job in the NFL. Doesn't make any sense to me. Same thing goes with Brian Leftwich. I have seen... Very little request for interviews with Brian Leftwich. Brian Leftwich won the fucking Super Bowl last year. You would think that he would get some fucking interviews. You would think, you know, but again, meddlesome owners, bad GMs, bad executives galore in the NFL. I can do their jobs for half the pay and I can be twice as good. I don't say that. Figuratively, I say if somebody came to me with a contract right now, I will be able to draft better, go through free agency better, hire a better head coach. I mean, it's not this difficult to freaking win football games, folks. People want to make it difficult. So here we are. Three of the head coaching candidates that I think should be the most sought after. And six, really seven teams if you want to count the Raiders. I'm not for right now. We'll just count six. So half of the teams are kind of going to be left up, uh, kind of up in the air with guys that 
really uh, nobody knows about. Maybe not nobody knows about, but with uh, non-preferential candidates. For example, Brian Flores is being interviewed. I would hold fast on that. I would hold fast on that just yet. Hold fast, just a little bit. Same thing goes for uh, for Dan Quinn. I'm like, eh, maybe don't interview Dan Quinn. Look at his look at his record before uh, he came to the Cowboys. It was terrible. People forget he literally got fired after five or six years with being with the Atlanta Falcons. And people are just like, yeah, he just wasn't the one of the worst head coaches in the NFL when he was in with Atlanta. But okay, okay. Dan Quinn, I keep seeing Matt Eberflus, the Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator, and I'm just like, look, if you're one of these teams that's like, we need a defensive coordinator, 24, hey, like, this is why I'm a better GM than all of the other GMs in the NFL. And I don't want to be a fan on that. I don't just want to blanketly state that. This is, but, but people just have... Little to no creativity or imagination, and they just regurgitate everything that they hear. But let me help you out. This is why you don't need to go after a defensive coordinator and make him your head coach. This is why. Who just got fired? Who just got fired? Because head coaches have to be fired for head coaches to be hired. Who just got hired? In Denver, right? Who just got hired? Or not hired, fired. Nobody got hired. Who just got fired? Vic Vangio, I have been freaking following him like I was his shadow for the last year. I'm like, are you going to go to the playoffs? Because you drafted a corner instead of a quarterback. Are you going to go to the playoffs? He did not go to the playoffs. Vic Vangio just got fired. Vic Vangio is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. He's available. Give him a phone call. You want a new defensive coordinator? Do what the Cowboys just did. They just made a defensive coordinator. Or excuse me, a ex-head coach into a defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio is available. Brian Flores is available. Make a phone call. And then on top of that, right, you got the magnum, you know, the magnum opus of defensive coordinators. Maybe not the magnum opus. I'm over-exaggerating here. But you got the cream of the crop, is what I really wanted to say. And Mike Zimmer, who's available for you, who's there for you, if you're a team that needs a defensive coordinator. Why don't you give him a phone call? You see, you can have your cake and eat it too. You can be Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys, be an offensive-minded head coach, have an offensive coordinator who was there with the previous regime and who knows Dak Prescott pretty well and who can help contribute to your offense instead of having to revamp and remake your offense, even though their offense was revamped and remade this offseason. You can have all that stuff, and then you can go ahead and you can get Dan Quinn as your head coach, or excuse me, as your defensive coordinator, and he can be an impact coach in his first year in Dallas. Immediately impactful. You just have to have the foresight and the imagination to have this. For people who are like, we need defense, 24. We need defense. Our offense isn't, we don't need offense. We need defense. Don't sell yourself short. Don't sell your soul for something that doesn't matter. Who's Look at all the head coaches in the NFL in the playoffs. 
I got I got my um I got the playoff bracket here. You got Rich Basachi, Raiders, special teams coordinator. We'll say that that's one for the defensive guys, right? Defensive special. We'll put two teams. We'll pit two teams, defense and special teams, against offense. So Rich Basachi, boom, that's one for the defense. Zach Taylor of the Bengals, offensive-minded head coach. Then you got two defensive-minded head coaches and Bill Belichick and Sean McDermott duking it out on Saturday. But then you got two offensive coordinators as well. Two offensive-minded head coaches. Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. Bruce Arians with the Bucks. Then you got two more offensive coordinators with the 40, not offensive coordinators, excuse me, offensive-minded head coaches. You got Kyle Shanahan. Then you got Mike McCarthy. Then you got the Steelers. Mike Tomlin. Mikey D. Defensive-minded head coach. But then you got Andy Reid, offensive-minded head coach. Then you got two offensive-minded head coaches with Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury. So that is out of... And then you got also the Tennessee Titans with Mike Vrabel. And then you got the Green Bay Packers with uh, Mike LeFleur. So that is how many teams, correct me, correct me not, how many offensive-minded teams out of 14? That is one... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then eight. That's over half, half the teams in the playoffs. But then, if you want to compound the issue, if you want to say, hey, uh, how many teams have a, uh, a quarterback? Every team. Some people may say the 49ers, but the 49ers are an offensive-minded football team with Kyle Shanahan. Some people want to say, Jalen Hurts with Nick Sirianni. I like Jalen Hurts. But again, Nick Sirianni, offensive-minded head coach. So even if you do have a defensive-minded head coach, you still need a quarterback. And the problem is a lot of defensive-minded quarterbacks, not quarterbacks, a lot of defensive-minded head coaches don't understand the correlation of their quarterback and winning. You only have to watch Rex Ryan on Sundays to know what I'm talking about. Long story short, if your team needs a coach, you should be looking for an offensive-minded coach, specifically Kellen Moore, Brian Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy. End of story. But let's get into the repercussions, not the repercussions, but let's talk about the teams that need coaches and where they rank and where I would rank them. Let's start off with Miami. Weird, isn't it? It's like, I, I've been disappointed with Miami this season. I've been disappointed. I was disappointed because I expected Miami to be a playoff team. But when you look at Miami as a landing spot for a head coach, one, you got some really, really nice pieces on defense. You got two of the best corners in the NFL, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. You got an up-and-coming pass rusher in Jalen Phillip, Phillips, excuse me, who could probably get you 10 sacks a season. You get one of the better wide receivers in the NFL in Jalen Waddle, just freaking waddling out there. And then you got Mike Gusecki, interesting tight end. You got Tua, who needs some development. But again, if you're a good 
offensive coordinator. You can help out Tua, but he you got Tua, and really the only thing that you need to address is maybe another interior defensive linebacker, not linebacker, defensive lineman, maybe a linebacker, but you need to also help out Tua when it comes to the offensive line. Beyond that, that's it. Javon Holland, he's your guy at safety. Again, you've addressed the corner position. You could legitimately be a deep playoff contender within the next year to two years if you do your job if you do your job right. Legitimately. The thing about Miami is that it's a perfect landing spot for Brian Leftwich or Eric Bieniemy. Perfect. If you iron out some of the uh, the wrinkles with Tua, playoff contender. Deep playoff contender at that. Miami is now done with Deshaun Watson. They're done trying to seek him out for a trade or whatever. They're done. He's done. They're done. They're fine. Stephen Ross said we're done seeking out Deshaun. Okay. Miami is one of the better spots for an offensive-minded head coach. Shocking. Shocking to me. You just got to get an offensive-minded head coach. Now, I don't know who they've interviewed or who they've requested for an interview. I don't know. And it's just because it's just like I haven't heard of anything yet. But I would assume that on that docket, on that paradigm, is Brian Lefwich, Eric Bieniemy, Kellen Moore. This isn't that hard. This is not that hard to get your head coach going. Here's the thing, okay? Next team, Broncos. This is the number two seed. Number two place that I would go. If I was a head coach, if I was one of these three guys, I would first call up Miami, then I would call up Denver. Do you want to know why? Same reasons for Miami. Bradley Chubb, Jerry Judy, KJ Handler, Javante Williams, Noah Fant, right? Patrick Sertan, Cal Fuller, Justin Simmons. They got a lot of really, really good football players. They lack structure, but what they also lack is an offensive line. They don't have a good offensive line at all. Their offensive line is terrible. It's really, really bad. It's really, really bad. Miami's is also really, really bad. The only difference between Miami and and Denver is that Miami kind of has a quarterback, right? Like, I can work with Tua. I can be fine with Tua. Denver doesn't have a quarterback. Who would... Who, who are you going to run out on the football field on Sundays out of the tunnel? Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke? Between the two of them, you have no quarterback. Okay? None. With Tua, you may have a quarterback, but he needs work. And I think he is ready to work. But if you're Miami, you're my one team, hire a head coach. Immediately, hire one of these guys. You know, all these guys are in the playoffs. Brian Leftwich, uh, Todd, not Todd Bowles, excuse me, um, Eric Bieniemy, and Kellen Moore, they're all in the playoffs. So you're going to have to hold fast on all of them. They're going to have to get out of the playoffs, and I don't think any of them want to get out of the playoffs. But I would hire whoever, whichever one, now get it over with. There's so little great 
coordinators that are available. Some people are, are interviewing the Packers offensive coordinator. I think his offense is boring and anemic, and he's riding the coattails of Matt Lefleur. If you want my honest opinion about it. Oh, yeah, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. I watch a lot of Packers football, and every single time I watch their their games, I'm just like, this is the most boring, predictable offense I've ever seen in my entire life. It's so West Coast boring that it, it just could not be any more boring. But then on top of that, It's so reliant on Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. It's just incredibly reliant on them. It's just like if they didn't have either one of those guys, they would be a really, really bad offense. It's just that simple. But if you're Denver, if you're Miami, go out, hire your guy now. Go get him. You like Kellen? Go get Kellen. You like uh, Eric Bieniemy or Brian Leftwich? Go get him. Do not go. I've seen... Especially the Broncos, they're like, we like Dan Quinn. We like to work with him. I'm just like, why? You can get Mike Zimmer. You can get Brian Flores as your as your defensive coordinator. Why do you want a defensive coordinator as your head coach when you can get an actual head coach as your defensive coordinator? I'd rather have it the other way around. I would rather have a defense, I'd rather have a head coach be my defensive coordinator than a defensive coordinator be my head coach. He can work with Bradley Chubb. He can work with Justin Sim. He can work Patrick Sertan. He can work. He worked with Deion Sanders when he was in Dallas. But sure, 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 you can go out and get a defensive coordinator to be your head coach. Moving on, the third best place for a head coach to go to is the Vikings. Right? Some people would have the Vikings over Denver and Miami. And I'm just like, they have prob- they have problems at offensive line. They still need kind of a corner. There's some there's more holes with the Vikings, in my opinion, than with Denver and Miami. But then on top of that, very, very tough, very, very controversial decisions have got to be made, right? So for example. With Minnesota, I don't, I don't like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. Okay, just gonna say it, put it out in front street. I don't like him as a quarterback. Okay, I think he's overrated. I think he has to have everything freaking be, you know, lined up for him to be successful in and at for him to be able to compete in these football games. And then you have these horrific performances where he just does not show up and he plays like crap. And then his team loses. As much as people want to jump down Dak Prescott's throat and be like Dak Prescott is not a good quarterback and he had a stretch of games where he did not play well, Dak Prescott's team is 12 and 4 or 12 and 5. There's games where he did not quote unquote play well, but they played well enough, he played well enough to win the football game. Whether you want to make that because of the defense or not, he did not impede his team's ability to win. And as much as I talk about I hate it when coaches impede on the quarterback's ability ability to win like Brandon Staley did two nights ago in Las Vegas where he impeded his quarterback's ability to win. I also do it. I also flip the coin the exact same way. I freaking turn it on the quarterbacks. I'm like, if you're impeding on your team's ability to win like Baker Mayfield did for Cleveland the entirety of the season, I have a problem with that. 
And I think Kirk Cousins, he doesn't he doesn't uplift his team, and he can occasionally be the reason why his football team loses football games. So you probably need to move on from Kirk, and you probably need to find a suitable replacement for Kirk Cousins, which is why I'm like, it's a pretty hard sell because Kirk Cousins does win football games here and there. But then it's just like Dalvin Cook, right? Dalvin Cook is another interesting player. Because Dalvin, Dalvin is, I got a burp. Excuse me. Dalvin is an injury-prone running back in a league where running backs are already undervalued, but he's the core of their offense. So it's like you have an undervalued position who's hurt all the time, but he's the core of their team and the offense. He's more valuable to the offense than Kirk Cousins, the quarterback, which is weird. You probably need to move on from Dalvin Cook in the next couple of years. But it's just like, how do you sell the fans on that? How do you sell the owner on that? How do you sell the team on moving on from Dalvin when he's such an important player? How do you do the same thing for Kirk Cousins? There's a lot of politics that are going to have to take place in Minnesota. It's not just, let's outright cut Kirk Cousins, and then you're going to have to deal with the new GM, the new hiring, because the Vikings fired their GM, as they should, and now they're going to have to fire or hire, excuse me, a GM and a head coach. It's not as simple as, you know, ABC123 with the Vikings. It's way more complicated than that. And then they play against Aaron Rodgers twice a year. It's like, this isn't fun. This division isn't going to be fun to play in. That's why I'm like, eh. Maybe, maybe uh, don't go to the Vikings. But also, they have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Daniel Hunter and all of these other really, really nice players that I like as well that really are kind of the reason why I, I kind of hold fast right now on the Vikings. It's just like, they're, it's an appetizing gig. It's an appetizing job. There's some things to like, but there's also some things not to like. It's not as clear and cut as like, oh yeah, the, uh, but here's the thing. The Vikings, they're a close football team. It's just, they have some hard decisions that need to be made and potentially, you know, some players that they need to move on from, but they're, they're kind of close. They're kind of close. Have Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, Christian Derrishaw. The rookie, Harrison Smith. They got some players, man. They just need the structure for the players. And they also potentially need a quarterback and an offensive line as well. Moving on. Chicago. 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 I should play. I should. I should have that song. Who's that girl that played? I was about to say Shigo. What's her name? If you don't know what I'm talking about, why I just broke out in song sporadically, there was this TV show, awesome TV show, when I was in high school called Victorious. And there, it was about essentially, what was it? It was about these really, really talented 
kids that went to this really this art school for really really talented kids and ironically enough like all of the actors were like super talented like one was a uh was, is like an actual producer and a and a musician now the other one is like elizabeth giles who's an actress now and um one was ariana grande so you know <laughs> oh my god victorious who's the girl i saw her on nickelodeon on one of those Danelle Monet. Oh my god! Oh my god, Danelle Monet. Played this girl named Trina who had this one woman show where she essentially just performed this obnoxious song called Chicago and she spelled Chicago as like as S H E. God, she has not aged a day whatsoever. Oh my God! Shout out to the, uh, to Danelle. I think her name is Delnella Monet. God, I don't. Apparently, I don't know anything. Fucking shout out to her. Anyways, um, yeah, Chicago, the Bears, they're the fourth team out of six, and the reason why they're the fourth team, uh, you got to figure out Justin Fields, man, and Justin Fields is, he's not like. Oh, there's a broken sink in the fence. You can hire a plumber to help, you know, with some of the PBC pipes and stuff like that. It's more along the lines of like, you know, it's he's a full renovation. He's a project. You know, he's probably a couple of years out uh, from being really a, a I don't want to say a top 10 quarterback, but just, just, just to probably like get a, just for everybody to get a feeling of his potential in the NFL, right? Some people will disagree and say, he's arrived, he's here. No, he's not. He hasn't done anything here. Be quiet. But Justin Fields, he is just incredibly inexperienced, and I don't like a lot of what he does on the football field, and he is going to be a lot of work for you as a head coach. Now, kind of continuing on with that trend of like Justin Fields, right? Not even Justin Fields, but of the Bears, right? Why is it such a mediocre to below mediocre landing spot why is it so why is it not as good as other spots right well the bears like the vikings have a lot of landing spots or not a lot of landing spots but a lot of tough decisions for some of these players when it comes to their landing spots right that didn't make any sense they have to cut some of their most important players right and make hard decisions on some of their most important players like akeem hicks like Khalil Mack, how like do they want to extend him? And more importantly, it's just like if they extend him, how much money are they going to give him? They spent a lot of money on their front seven, and obviously front sevens don't win football games. It's like yeah, I actually have to have a corner or two. So the Bears they have to make some tough decisions front seven wise. And then they have to go out and find a running game for Justin Fields, potentially in the draft, but they don't have a first round draft pick, right? Because their first round draft pick they used in getting Justin Fields. And then on top of that, they also don't have any weapons. And then on top of that, their offensive line is very, very bad, okay? Like, this isn't a quick and easy fix like Miami. Like Miami, you you need to kind of work with Tua, 
You know, you need to get probably another running back. I forgot to mention that. And you need to, you know, get your offensive line going here. But for the most part, the defense is still intact. You know, they still have weapons for Tua offensively. It's a pretty good football team. It's a pretty, it's, it has a lot of bones. It has a lot of support for whoever comes in and becomes the new head coach for the Miami Dolphins. There's nothing here for the Bears, or there's very, very little here for the Bears that you actually want or like. That's the reality of the situation with the Bears. It's just like, wow, we don't have really anything to work with if we're Chicago. Some people may not like that. I don't really care. If you're the Bears, you don't have anything. Okay? Some people are going to be like, we have a quarterback. Maybe. But really, right now, no, you don't. What was his completion percentage again? What was Justin Fields' completion percentage? Just so we can, um, just so I can refresh you on just how unbelievably bad he was this year. Let me help you out. What's his completion percentage? Anything below 62% is bad. 58.9. He was bad this year. He's a rookie. Yeah, like, I know he's a rookie. That's the point. It's just like, he's a rookie, and people thought that you guys were going to go to the playoffs with him, and I was just like, no, you're not. Shut up. Anyways, uh, Bears are the fourth seed out of six when it comes to uh, a destination for a head coach. It's a very, very, it's it's bad. It's a bad place to go to. All these teams have, like, significant issues, and all these teams aren't, like, you know, lovely places to go to, but... Chicago is one of the worst places. So then it's just like you have two of the final places, right? Jacksonville and the Giants. The Giants just fired Joe Judge. But they have some nice pieces. They have some... It's... The Giants are the worst. I'll just get it out of the way. They're the worst team to go to. Giants are the worst team. Jags are the second worst team. Here's the reason why. And some people are going to say, but 24, they have a first round draft pick. I don't like the GM... For the Jags, he may be fired in in the next couple of years, or you're going to have to compensate for his badness. I don't like him. But then I also look at the Jags, and I'm like, they need weapons. They need wide receivers. They need offensive linemen for Trevor. They, I mean, depending on how Travis Etienne turns out, they also need some running back support and some running back help. They also are going to need some corners. There's a lot of work that needs to go on in Jacksonville. But then, similarly to the Bears, I don't know what I have with Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if I have a starting quarterback. When I, you know, asked myself the question of, or when I, you know, asked, when I said rhetorically, like, uh, in that obnoxious voice, like, we have a quarterback 24 in Chicago. And then I said, maybe it's just like, it's the same thing. In Jacksonville, Jacksonville maybe has a quarterback. Maybe. But again, we won't know until a couple of years down the road. Just like with Justin. We don't know. We won't know. But they need offensive line, defensive line, wide receiver, cornerbacks. They need pretty much everything. Pretty much. It's a rebuild. It's not a soft rebuild. Oh, we'll we'll be competitive in two years or one year. It's a hard rebuild. Three to four years. It's kind of what happens when you trade away all of your, you know, your best and great players. It's kind of what happens when 
you know, you trade away Unique Ngakwe and uh, Jalen Ramsey, and you don't replace them with, you know, star-studded players, you know? It's kind of what happens. Finally, let's talk about the Giants here, okay? So, the Giants, they're the worst landing spot, really, really in a... In this free agency pool. I mean, I don't... I can't... Like, I don't get the Giants. Hold on. I gotta... Hold on. This... I gotta... I wanna watch something else. I'm, I'm watching X-Men Evolution, and it's just... It's so narrative-driven. It's so hard to understand it. Give me, like, a couple of seconds. Um, we will talk about the Giants, but I'm just changing out the DVDs that I'm watching here. Hold on. Hold on. I've been talking for an hour for like hour and a half with like no break. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm coming back. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Not yet though. Here we go. Now I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Tell the world. Do I really need to change out TV shows and DVDs? Do I really need to watch TV to like podcasts? Yeah. <laughs> I have ADHD, bro. Like, come on, bro. I have a very short attention span. <laughs> Hold on. Let me uh, also plug in my computer really fast. It's almost out of battery. Okay, sorry about that. So, the Giants are the worst team in this cycle of head coaching hires, right? Worst team, they're the least marketable, they're terrible. It would have been better if they had fired... Joe Judge last year because obviously because it's just like oh we could have fired him last year and then we would have been in a kind of a better situation overall but no they didn't but I mean some people may say but they have two first round draft picks 24 I'm, I'm getting to that don't worry about it so Joe Judge gets fired today Giants are the worst team I have entering into free agency why is that the case well here's the reason why the Giants, uh, take a look around, bro. Giants are a bad football team. And like the Vikings and like the Bears, they have hard decisions coming their way, right? They have to figure out Daniel Jones. And it's been reported Daniel Jones is coming back. Why? I don't know why. I've, I, like, I've, I rode with Daniel Jones for like the last year and a half. And I did not originally ride with this guy. I was like, I don't know about this guy at all. But I said to myself, I was like, I'm going to, like, I, I'm, I'm fair. I'm fair to all these players. He played well against Pittsburgh last year when Pittsburgh had, like, 13 or 14 games when they were undefeated. And then, you know, he played decently well, you know, against Tampa, I think. Like, he he plays well in some of these really, really bad spots. And I was just like, I got to give this guy another shot. Uh, he played badly once again this year. What was his completion percentage? Like, I, I I'm talking about... You know, Justin Fields' completion percentage, I bet it's not more than 63%. 
Oh, no, it is. It's 64.3. But everything is bad after that. Like, yards. He has 2,400 yards. Joke. He has 10. He has 10 touchdowns. He has 10. He should have, like, somewhere close to, like, 20. He has 10 touch. He has 7 interceptions on top of a bevy of fumbles. He's terrible. He was terrible this year. God awful. The Giants are reportedly returning with Joe, not Joe, um, Daniel Jones next year, which I'm just like, why? Why? Why is that a thing? Why constantly kick yourself in your own testicles, Giants? I feel like he should be gone. They don't feel like he should be gone. So you're going to have to navigate Daniel Jones in his badness. And then you're going to have to navigate the whole Saquon Barkley debacle because Saquon Barkley is, I think, up for a contract this year or next year. So it's like, do we weigh his fifth-year option? Do we keep him on the team? Do we try and cut him? Do, like, what do we do with Saquon? You probably keep him for on the team. You're, you're already paying him. And it's just like, maybe you can get something out of him. But you're going to keep him on the team. Saquon. And then you'll figure it out later. But are you in love with keeping Saquon Barkley on the football team? No, not really. You want him to be one of the best football players in the NFL, and he's not. Daniel Jones got to make some tough decisions. One of the worst offenses in the NFL, while also freaking not employing, but investing so much into that offense. So many resources have just been just poured down the drain, tried, trying to reinforce the offensive line. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle or right tackle, depending on the day that he, or not even the day of the week, you know, because Nate Solder is out and Nate Solder's not very good. And then their guards aren't very good. And Will Hernandez, like everything is just not good in New York when it comes to the offensive line. It's one of the most important units. It's why Daniel Jones gets beaten the crap out of. It's why they can't run the freaking football with Saquon. And then another issue that you have with New York, defense. Okay, I like Xavier McKinney. I like him. But you run into an issue, run into a problem, right? Where you don't have any corners on that football team. And Blake Martinez is like their best linebacker. He's one of their best players, and he's a linebacker. But he got hurt this year. So am I worried about him being hurt? Am I worried about his play declining? Yeah, a little bit. He was like one of the better linebackers in the NFL. But he's a linebacker. Again, he's a undervalued position. Let me take a seat. We're almost done talking about head coaches. Let me take a seat. As I am watching Kita send Megas to Jersey, I'm watching Megas XLR. Does anyone know about that TV show? I loved Megas XLR as a kid. It's like Gundam except American and way more cheesy. Okay, so 
one more thing that I want to talk about with the Giants, right? The Giants specifically and especially. So the Giants, it gets reported today, right? People, 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 people. People make some phone calls. People, you know, call around, get some info. The Giants, people find out Jason Garrett is interviewing, or excuse me, is called in to interview with the Giants. Jason Garrett, the former Dallas Cowboy head coach, ran out in absolute disgrace. Ran out of town. Absolute disgrace. In absolute disgrace. Terrible head coach. Ten years to go to an NFC Championship game and a Super Bowl. And this guy can't do freaking either one of those. That guy freaking sucked. Terrible head coach. Had everything in his toolbox to go to the playoffs. And he freaking couldn't do it in his final year. Fired him. Have not been happier. As a Cowboy fan. Even after the 6th and 10th season, I was just like, hey, hey, at least we don't have freaking Jason Garrett on our team. Offensive coordinator with the Giants. Thought he should have been fired. Thought he shouldn't have been hired last year. Gets fired midway through the season. Giants offense, still terrible. But then, you get this report, you hear this report about how the Giants are apparently interested in Jason Garrett being the head coach. And that just, I mean, it's like the freaking Detroit Lions being like, hey guys, you know what we want to do? You know what we should do? We should go out and we should hire, or not hire, but we should go out and we should freaking pick up a nose tackle as the number two overall pick. It's like that. Just like, oh, you guys just, are failures. <laughs> you guys are going to be failures. Oh my goodness. Anyways. That's kind of the situation. I think we just talked for almost an hour about head coaches and uh, head coaching hires and fires and stuff like that. I'll kind of have a more in-depth conversation about the league as a whole and things of that nature tomorrow about some of these other teams. I kind of just want to um, to finish the podcast with playoffs here. Let's talk about playoffs. I've been I've been dying to talk about the playoffs. Been dying about it. So we have um, our playoff matchups here right and we have the times we now know the times i oh yeah by the way i know i should have mentioned this at the top of the show not going to be here friday saturday or sunday i'll be back monday and it's just because it's just like i completely forgot i'm gonna travel on friday for something and then i'll leave and come back to town. I just got the uh, the confirmation. I'll leave and come back to town on Sunday. 
and it'll be like Sunday at like 10 p.m. So that's that's fun. What is it Sunday or is it Saturday? It is it's Friday. Okay. Like I'm leaving Friday, coming back Sunday. So yeah, I'm going to be out for the next couple of days. Here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing about the pay, uh, the playoffs, okay? So not going to make any predictions until probably Wednesday or Thursday. The playoffs this year, man, I remember, I think Chris Sims talked about it where he said there's no great team in the playoffs. There's no team that we look at and we're just like, oh yeah, they'll, they'll win everything, right? Or they're unstoppable or whatever. I semi-disagree. I think there's teams that if we put in the AFC would do very, very well in the AFC. And then I think there's teams that, you know, like I feel like if we put NFC teams in the AFC, like I feel like the AFC would be in a really, really bad spot. So in that way, I think there's great teams. But I've also said for the last couple of weeks, I think whoever's going to come out of the NFC is going to win the championship. Whoever is going to come out of the NFC is going to win the Super Bowl. And then I kind of look around and I'm like, okay, I think the Raiders, I think there is, I think they're a first round elimination. I'm semi making my playoff predictions, but not completely. Raiders, I don't think they go to Cincinnati and beat the Bengals and Joe Burrow, especially Joe coming off of his win, his victory against the Kansas City Chiefs, beat the beat the Chiefs. In Cincinnati, won his division, and then I get on and I see power rankings and I see people be like, "Oh yeah, the Chiefs they suck, they suck," and I'm just like, "What? That doesn't make any sense." I think the Raiders are one of those teams that just, oh yeah, that's a single elimination. Bengals, I potentially think, could be a playoff, a Super Bowl contender. Uh, the Patriots never count out the Patriots. They're going up against the Bills this weekend. The Bills are a really, really difficult team to play against. But the Bills have, for the last couple of years, have like severely let me down. And I've been like hot and cold. And this year is no exception. They have been just on and off for the entirety of this year, man. And last year. But when they're cold or when they're hot, they're like one of the best teams in the NFL. Patriots and the Bills are two interesting football teams in the NF, not the NFC, the AFC. Eagles versus Bucks. The Eagles could be another team that I think could like upset, maybe not another team, but they are one of those teams that I think could walk into Tampa and upset Tampa. I think. But at the exact same time, I I love Tom Brady too much to even say that. The thing about the Bucks they have so many injuries. It's like Leonard Fournette is injured a lot. Like all of their secondary is injured. You know, all of their wide receivers are injured. And I would be lying if I if I told you that, you know, that didn't affect Tom Brady's play because it obviously affects his play. Who he's throwing the football to. The whole point of him moving from New England to uh, Tampa is because he didn't have any control over the receivers that he was throwing passes to. And he felt... 
that he should, and he felt that the receivers that they had were below average, which he was not wrong. I don't know. This could be one of those games that, like, the Eagles could kind of shock the world and beat Tampa in. I don't know. 49ers versus Cowboys. Some people, not some, a lot of people are predicting that the 49ers beat the Cowboys. Here's the thing about the 49ers and the Cowboys, and specifically the 49ers, right? I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know how he beat the Rams. I can kind of take a guess. Matt Stafford, that's how. I don't like I don't like the 49ers because I don't like the quarterback situation. Jimmy Garoppolo, everybody wants to pretend. Everybody's like, oh, man, Jimmy Garoppolo got it out. Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback. Like, people want to be right about Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're so willing to be wrong about, like, everything else. They're just like, I'm right about Jimmy Garoppolo that one time against the Rams at the end of the season. But, you know, every other time in the Super Bowl and the playoffs where he got carried by, like, his football team and all that good stuff, all those times, they don't matter. But that one time, end of season, biggest, biggest game of his entire career, you know, it's not the Super Bowl or in the playoffs, that end of season game, that's when he showed up. But every other time, no. Um, I don't know about his injury. I thought, to be honest with you, I thought Trey Lance was going to play. That's how bad I thought it was uh, last weekend. I thought Trey Lance was going to play, and I was kind of shocked that he didn't. And I was even more shocked that the 49ers were able to clutch it out. I consider that more a folly of the 49ers, or excuse me, of the Rams, than you know, a victory for the 49ers. But then people want to be like, he was an awesome quarterback. Bro, he had two interceptions, and they only scored three points in one half. I don't think the Cowboys choke away a lead. The Cowboys really haven't choked leads this year. Like, the Cowboys get a lead, they keep a lead, they win the game. He had two interceptions against the Rams. The Cowboys are one of the best teams at turning over the football. You really think that the 49ers are going to beat the Cowboys? I've seen so many people predict that, and I'm like, bitch, where? Where? Where and how? Jimmy is so, like, he's like vanilla pudding. He is painstakingly average. It's like, when you ask somebody, like, not even average is the best way to describe it. He's like below average. It's like you go to somebody and you ask, hey, what's your favorite dessert? Oh, I like vanilla pudding. It's just like, What? You like vanilla pudding? You don't like chocolate cake? You don't like Italian cream cake? Italian, you know, not Italian cream pie. I've never had that. Key lime pie, cheesecake, you know, ice cream, anything besides vanilla pudding. It's 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 a more jello-y version of vanilla paste. It's the most boring, boring freaking dessert ever. It's like a D-tier dessert, and you, like, goodness gracious. Jimmy Garoppolo, terrible quarterback. Terrible quarterback. Anyways, um, I, I just don't understand people talking about the 49ers beating the Cowboys, but we'll see. We'll see what happens on Sunday. And they are playing on Sunday, and I am very excited um, for the game, not because I get to watch it live, but because it's on Nickelodeon and I get to see it on the Nickelodeon broadcast. Very excited. Um, I don't know why CBS didn't 
do the Nickelodeon broadcast more, to be honest with you. Because everybody liked it. I liked it more than the original broadcast. I don't have the I don't have the original broadcast recorded. I have the Nickelodeon broadcast recorded. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch I'm gonna come home. I'm gonna watch like all six of the playoff games in the hours after I get home, and I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna freaking watch the Nickelodeon broadcast first, probably. Not even muted. I'm excited. Steelers at Chiefs. Steelers barely squeaked in to a playoff game against the Chiefs. I mean, I feel like the Chiefs are just going to freaking maul them. I don't understand how the how the Chiefs don't beat the Steelers, I guess. I don't know. Rams at Cardinals. Or Cardinals at Rams. Sorry, I am tired. Cardinals at Rams. Cardinals. Cardinals. I, I mean, these are like, this is the battle of like, I feel like the overrated football teams. I feel like the Rams are a little bit overrated because of Matt Stafford and how hot and cold he can be and how hot and cold he can get. But I also think the Cardinals as well, they had a bad showing against Seattle, man. Like a really, really bad showing. And outside of like the Cowboys win, that was like their only quality win in the last like month. And my quality win, I mean, they choked. Like, people forget about the Cardinals. They choked the one seed to the Green Bay Packers, dude. They had, like, 10 wins, and they just, like, lost. I don't know how many games they lost consecutively, but not consecutively. But, like, they, I mean, they lost to Detroit. They lost to the Rams. They lost to Seattle on Sunday. They lost to the Colts. Like, they just lost and lost and lost games. They were on a three-loss streak before they... They played up against the Cowboys. They lost to the car uh, to the Panthers in November. Like they just had some really, really bad losses after the Green Bay Packers game. And some people want to say, like, oh man, the Cowboys, they're not a real playoff team, and da 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 da. And it's just like the Cowboys didn't have as near of a bad collapse as the Cardinals did. Like, if we're being honest with ourselves. They didn't. But here we are, Cardinals versus Rams. I think two of the more overrated teams in the NFL going at it on Monday night. We'll watch it. Or more specifically, I'll watch it. Then I'll talk about it. Manning cast as well as on Monday. Cannot wait. But all these teams, they kind of have a chance. Some of them don't. <laughs> like, like the Raiders. Like some of these teams, they got a chance. They got a nice chance, but... I don't know. It's going to be way more interesting of a playoff series. Or not of a playoff series, but of a playoff year this year than last year. Because there's going to be way more teams that are actually going to be able to kind of go up again. Like, I think the Eagles and the Bucks team is going to be a really interesting game. We'll see. Anyways, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm piecing out and also hungry. I had Popeye's chicken. I freaking had to wait 30 minutes for Popeye's chicken. It was good chicken. But I'm like, who wants to fucking wait 30 minutes for Popeye's, bro? It's pop, It's fried chicken. Anyways, I'm piecing out. 24th podcast.